Hi, everyone. Welcome to today's Safety and Health webcast, Networking Workers for Safety, sponsored by Industrial Scientific Corporation. My name is Tom Music. I am an associate editor with Safety and Health magazine, and I'll be moderating today's session. Thanks for joining us. In a few minutes, we'll start the presentation, but first I want to go over some preliminary items. The views of today's speakers and organizations are their own and do not necessarily reflect those of the National Safety Council or Safety and Health magazine. Any mention of a commercial enterprise, product, or publication does not mean the council or magazine endorses those items. At the end of today's webcast, we will conduct a question and answer session. To ask a question, simply type it in the text box in the lower left-hand corner of your screen and click the button for Submit Question. Feel free to ask your question at any time during the presentation. You don't have to wait for the Q&A session to begin. We'll try to answer as many questions as possible, but because of the large number of participants today, we might not get to every question. However, all unanswered questions will be forwarded along to today's speaker. For basic troubleshooting information, click the Help button located on your screen. At the end of the webcast, you will be asked to complete a brief evaluation survey. I can let you know more about that after the presentation. This webcast will be archived, so you can access it after today's live event. To view this webcast and all of our past webcasts, go to safetyandhealthmagazine.com slash events. Again, that's safetyandhealthmagazine.com slash events. With that, let's go ahead and get started. Our first speaker today, and our only speaker today, will be David Wagner. He's the Director, Applications Engineering and Product Knowledge for Industrial Scientific Corporation. David has been extensively involved with the development and application of portable gas monitoring instruments and the development of innovative solutions to complex gas monitoring problems since joining the company in 1986. He earned his BS in Electrical Engineering from the Pennsylvania State University and holds a Master of Science degree in Management and Technology from Carlo University in Pittsburgh. Thank you for tuning in to this presentation. David, whenever you're ready, go ahead and take it away. Thanks, Tom. Uh, first, I just want to take a, a moment and thank Tom and thank Safety and Health for hosting the webinar today. We do this uh, once or twice every year, and, and this particular webinar uh, fits very nicely in conjunction with the upcoming National Safety Conference uh, in Anaheim and some things that we will be doing as industrial scientific there in conjunction with the National Safety Conference. As end users of gas detection, you may look back over the last few years, and when you think about it, think that uh, the industry in terms of gas detection uh, has been somewhat void of, of technology and innovation. I as know as a manufacturer, uh, we certainly at times look back at it that way and, and think about, you know, what have we been doing? Um, but we're really coming upon a time where a lot of technology is now starting to come into the market with, uh, with respect to gas detection, and we're going to take some time over the next few minutes to talk about that. Uh, and really what we're going to talk about is using gas detection uh, to help workers network together to improve safety. Uh, so to start off that discussion, um, let's take a little look into what networking actually is. When we think about networking, we generally, at least in terms of hardware, from the hardware's perspective, uh, we think about a bunch of computers and, and Ethernet cables and Ethernet jacks, and, and we always think about uh, that one thing or have to think about that one thing none of us want to, and that's the ID department and how we have to work with them and how we have to interface with them. But Merriam-Webster says that networking is the exchange of information or services among individuals, groups, or institutions. And another one of these, I'm always amazed at how these little uh, Wikipedia-type um, web information services come up. Investopedia, uh, which I don't know has anything to do with anything other than financial investments, but they talk about networking as a process that fosters the exchange of information or ideas among individuals or groups that share a common interest. And that's really what we're talking about today. We're talking about joining groups of workers together that have a common interest. And that common interest is safety and ensuring that every one of those workers goes home safe at the end of the every day. 
We are working today in what is the wireless age of gas detection. That is the time period in the industry we're in. It's the wireless age of gas detection. Uh, I just was asked to speak yesterday at another industry um, safety conference, safety type meeting, and I was there with representatives from Honeywell and from MSA, and we were all talking um, independently about the different wireless initiatives we each have as a company. So wireless technology is really coming into play um, in gas detection in a large way. And the question is why? Why are we all doing wireless gas detection? And it's really very easy. It's because as end users, you are expecting it. Uh, you're expecting us as manufacturers to be able to employ the latest technologies. You're asking for innovative solutions uh, to common problems. You use smartphones and smart devices every day. We have smart thermostats on our houses now. We have smart locks on our front doors. Um, all of these things using wireless technology in, in some way, and you as end users of gas detection find yourselves asking the question, why can't we have some of these features in our gas detectors? And, and today, uh, the answer is you can. You, you definitely can. And you're asking us to provide wireless technology along with unique features that can be used to save lives. Um, when we look at what goes on today, um, someone's carrying a gas detector, their instrument goes into alarm. It's questionable whether that instrument and whether the alarm on that instrument can really help them all the time. Uh, the answer is it can't. Uh, sometimes the gas level, the exposure level, uh, can be so bad that they are affected, they are overcome uh, before the instrument can ever be an alarm. And so when we look at things from that, that matter, from that standpoint, seconds make a difference. And, and the faster we can um, give somebody else, someone else, an indication that a worker has a problem, that a worker may be um, is in trouble, then uh, the better off we all are and the safer we'll all be. So let's just take the next few moments, if we can, and talk a little bit more about some of the common um, wireless technology applications and how they apply to gas detection. The first one that we hear a lot about today are loan workers. Everyone seems to be concerned about loan workers, and rightly so, whether they're in the oil field, uh, whether it's utility worker working on the street in a neighborhood, whether it's in a mine, uh, whether it's someone working alone in a plant or a tank farm, or someone that may be out on their own at night. Uh, we all have concerns about those loan workers and and where they're at and what we do with them, and how do we know where is the worker at? Is he okay? What do we do if he's not? Um, if he's not, we have to summon help somehow. Uh, we have to try and make contact with that person. All very difficult to do, uh, but the lone worker uh, situation is, is very prevalent today in almost every industry, and we get lots of questions from a gas detection standpoint about what we're doing about lone workers. And, and many of the gas detection companies uh, industrial scientific included are now including man down functions, panic functions in their instruments, coupling those with wireless communications uh, to tell someone else that that worker is in trouble and, and to summon help when necessary. But again, it takes time to be able to do that and the response may not necessarily be as quick as we would like it. Another big application for wireless gas detection is the live monitoring the real-time data standpoint scenario. We all want to be able to get data, get, it, get data faster, know what's happening um, right now. We want to know who, when, where, what, um, how long, how much, and we want to know that information right now. Uh, so real-time data is, is a big driver of wireless applications and gas detections. And we want to take that data and we want to communicate it to the cloud, put it in different base, databases, have access to it, 
from control rooms, from different control panels, from mobile devices, uh, and we want that access in real time uh, from anywhere in the world that we can get it. And we want to be able to react and respond to situations in real time, not days or weeks after the fact. Uh, we have very large databases uh, of gas detection data and information from our customers. Uh, we've recorded over almost 30 million alarm scenarios um, in our INET databases here at Industrial Scientific. Unfortunately, not one of them have we learned about until well after the fact. Sometimes it's the same day. Um, more often than not, it's up to a week later or a month after the fact that we actually see that data, that anyone actually sees that data that says someone's gas detector was in alarm today. They encountered a, a dangerous situation. So when we're talking about wireless gas detection, those are some of the things that you typically think about in ways that you would use it. Something else that we're hearing a lot about today is the connected worker. We're hearing about connected workers in, in many different scenarios, um, giving it workers access to information in real time that they need to help to do their they need help with to do their job. Uh, whether it's a technical manual, a work instruction, and that's exactly what Accenture says about the connected worker. There's a couple different perspectives. Accenture says that present, the connected worker is a presentation of data and the complete relationship with a work, that a worker has to have with information that gives them the ability to do their job. Um, so that's one perspective on connected workers that we hear about. Um, that's from Accenture, and we actually have an initiative that we work on with Accenture called the Accenture Life Safety Solution, um, which is, is drilled, is geared more towards using wireless technology um, to, to track workers and, and more for the lone worker or the man down type of situation. There's another perspective on the connected worker. Uh, that comes from Honeywell uh, and Intel. And that's connecting the industrial worker to the digital world via wearable intelligence sensors. Um, being able to see everything about a worker and track things about a worker with respect um, to the worker themselves, their environment, their health, um, using sensors uh, to monitor their heart rate, their body temperature, their blood pressure, um, the amount of noise in the environment around them. All of these things that we like to hear about or we do hear about regularly as the Internet of Things, that is just another perspective that's out there on the, the connected worker and something that you hear a lot about, like I said, from, from Intel and Honeywell. There are some drawbacks, though, to all of these wireless gas detect detector applications uh, that I talked about. And that is each one of them requires some sort of infrastructure, whether it's Wi-Fi hotspots or multiple antennas or repeaters or, you know, different things to be able to communicate clearly um, from a gas detector or from a piece of equipment out to a network uh, to be able to share that information. It requires uh, a lot of infrastructure, and that infrastructure is expensive. Uh, there's considerable cost associated with that in the tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of dollars uh, in terms of the installation and maintenance costs associated with that infrastructure to be able to communicate wirelessly um, in a reliable manner. And then there's the big brother concept. You present uh, things like fleet management, um, or being able to track workers to the workforce themselves, and they push back immediately, uh, or at least in a lot of cases, uh, because of the Big Brother concept. Uh, they're concerned about someone watching over them all the time, watching where they're at, watching what they're doing. Um, I know that I hear that a lot um, from friends and other people I talk to, who work for companies and they drive company vehicles and 
Now those companies are monitoring the vehicles and seeing what they're doing, and they know every time they're stopped, there's just resistance um, to that big brother aspect uh, that comes into play when you start talking about uh, wireless gas detection and you start talking about live monitoring. So what can we do about that? Well, at Industrial Scientific, we've, we are introducing and we've looked at another way to do wireless gas detection. And that's by using peer-to-peer -peer monitoring. And when I'm talking about peer-to-peer -peer monitoring, I'm talking about taking a network of people or a group of workers and actually making them a network, forming a network together by joining them together uh, through their gas detectors and exchanging safety information exchange that they need um, to help them work safer together in, in close proximity. Um, that's the big picture. A lot of times when we look at lone worker scenarios, um, we get focused or look at wireless gas detection, we get very focused on the lone worker. We get very focused on real-time data. We get so focused on, on the lone worker and needing to know where he's at and what he's doing uh, in order to be able to help him. Um, but still, as I said before, uh, if he's in trouble, someone has to pick up a radio and make a call, um, summon help from somewhere else. And we're talking about seconds that can make a difference in terms of saving that person's life or um, avoiding a serious injury. Um, and the fact of the matter is uh, we're looking at that data somewhere off-site or in a control room, and we have to summon help. And reality is that potentially the person working right next to him, uh, that worker that's in trouble, doesn't know it. But if he did, uh, could be there much faster to help him than, than anyone else really can. Uh, so we fear the big brother may be watching, uh, but in terms of peer-to-peer -peer monitoring, it's really your little brother that's working right next to you, uh, right across the, the lot or the well pad or right across the facility that actually has your back. So how does peer-to-peer -peer networking actually work? Uh, well, it's by forming an ad hoc wireless peer network together with your, your gas monitors using two wireless systems uh, that we are putting in place in gas detectors today. It's Lens Wireless, uh, which is a proprietary mesh network communication technology uh, that we are using. Lens stands for Linked Equipment Network for Safety. And using Near Field Communication, which is a wireless technology that was put on the market and got popular on the market uh, about five or six years ago when Samsung introduced the touch feature on their phones, where if you wanted to transfer information from one phone to another, you, you picked up the two phones, you simply touched them together, and you could send your friend or your neighbor a picture or a file or whatever it was just by touching the two phones together. And we're using a very similar technology, in fact, the same technology in, in gas detectors today to be able to develop peer-to-peer -peer monitoring, uh, linking instruments together, and linking up to 25 instruments or 25 peers or 25 workers together in a self-healing network. And when I talk about a self-healing network, I mean a network that withstands someone being part of it and leaving and, and not breaking that communication down, not breaking the network, and being able to come back into the network and still have the commun communication work reliably among all the units. There are definitely some advantages and some benefits to peer-to-peer -peer monitoring and, and doing it with a mesh network type of system. Uh, the way we are. Um, the first question that usually comes up when you talk about wireless gas detection is that, well, we work in a refinery or a chemical plant or a steel mill, and we have very complex structures, uh, and we just can't get reliable wireless communications um, that cover the facility. Well, peer-to-peer -peer monitoring uh, and an ad hoc network, that becomes much, much easier because we have the ability to communicate around obstacles. We can bounce the signal from one monitor to the next as depicted here, 
um, to get around a, a particular obstacle or a particular piece of structure and be able to maintain good communication. Um, we have the ability with peer-to-peer -peer monitoring to be able to shadow gas readings from one monitor to another. Uh, as you can see here on on the displays depicted on the slide, we can see how many monitors um, are in the network. In this case, there are six. We can see how many people that we're joined to, how many brothers we have out there actually watching over us. And we can see when someone's gas detector goes into alarm. Uh, as you can see, Sean Cooper's gas detector uh, has a significantly high reading of H2S and ammonia. Uh, I'm not sure that those typically come into play all the time that way. Um, but Sean's instrument's in alarm, and I know it. And that is the key. I'm working next to Sean, or I'm working around the corner from Sean, and I know it. And that is the key to peer-to-peer -peer monitoring and how peer-to-peer -peer monitoring really works. There's another benefit to peer-to-peer -peer monitoring um, that comes out, and that is we can actually take uh, portable instruments like the Venice Pros that I've been showing you, and we can connect those to different types of gas monitors. We can connect them to the radius area monitors um, and communicate information to those as well. So that expands your capabilities wirelessly um, in a tremendous fashion. The radius, the area monitor, is an instrument that we just launched uh, last week. And as you can see, we can com communicate that same um, information in terms of shadowing readings and communicating alarms and peer alarms uh, to the radius units as well, uh, just as we do with the portables. So there are definitely some advantages to peer-to-peer to -peer monitoring. Uh, we get instrument-to-instrument, worker-to-worker communication reliably. We're not relying or depending on radio calls um, to communicate information. Uh, we, don't have, we don't need someone else uh, to tell you that the person working beside you is in trouble and needs help. We can do that directly. Uh, from the instrumentation uh, with no outside intervention whatsoever. We don't need any infrastructure or any IT support to do peer-to-peer -peer monitoring. Like I said, it really is as simple as taking two monitors, touching them together, forming an ad hoc network, and if my instrument is connect to, connected to five or ten other instruments, uh, when I connect to yours, now we're all connected together in, in one network. It's very low cost, the incremental cost to implement peer-to-peer -peer monitoring. Uh, as I said before, there is no infrastructure involved. There are no uh, hotspots or access points or gateways. Any, any of the expensive infrastructure, the costly infrastructure that it requires um, to maintain wireless communications, no licenses. Um, it is all uh, open band communication, free communication that takes place, so it's very low incremental cost to implement a peer-to-peer -peer, uh, wireless network in your gas detection system. And it brings that the biggest benefit of all uh, that we have workers actually working together, communicating together within their own environment uh, to increase safety. So, with that said, what are some of the applications uh, where we would use peer-to-peer -peer monitoring? Well, first is very simple. We have groups of workers going out within a facility. Uh, they're working in, in the same general area, in the same proximity, um, or reasonable proximity anyway, uh, within a facility. And we all want them to watch each other's backs, just as I, just as I said. So it's very easy to, to give them all a monitor. Uh, today we see more and more uh, workers all carrying gas monitoring instrumentation anyway. Um, give them a monitor that has wireless communication capability and let them know if one of their buddies uh, is in help or, or is being affected, is in need of help. 
So just worker groups is one big application for peer-to-peer -peer monitoring. Emergency response is certainly a big issue um, and a big application for peer-to-peer -peer monitors. We can establish monitoring around uh, perimeter of a, an emergency site uh, to set up a safe zone around a response site. We can put portable monitors uh, on the first responders, on the workers on that site. Um, they can all communicate together in a peer-to-peer -peer fashion. Uh, monitors on the workers will signal the perimeter monitors um, that there's a problem within uh, the hazard area. Those area monitors let everyone know um, in the safe zone uh, that there's a problem, and we communicate those hazards very clearly. So emergency response is a, a huge application uh, to implement peer-to-peer -peer monitoring. And of course, confined space entry, um, a perfect application for peer-to-peer -peer monitoring. Being able to mo monitor all the entrants in a confined space simultaneously from outside the space. Uh, it's becoming more and more prevalent today. More standards are requiring continuous monitoring and confined space applications. It's certainly a best practice and one that I would promote. Uh, and it's very beneficial now to be able to hang a monitor um, have an entrant into a confined space, wear a portable monitor, and have the attendant outside that space uh, be able to see the readings and, and see what's going on with not just one entrant, but all the entrants uh, within a confined space. Uh, today, in most cases, when we're doing continuous monitoring and we have an attendant on a confined space, he's standing outside the space with a gas detector and he's got a sample hose dropped into the space or a probe uh, sticking into the space. And there is no way that he is actually monitoring the atmosphere in the entire space. Um, so entrance uh, can, can drift away. Um, they can get into a place where there's a hazard uh, that the attendant can't see and his gas detector can't sniff. And, and he... That information doesn't get communicated out. Um, the, the, the worker can miss his instrument going into alarm. With peer-to-peer -peer monitoring, it allows that attendant to see exactly what's going on with everyone in that confined space. It also allows one attendant to monitor multiple confined spaces. Um, this is something that there many companies have tried to, to develop processes for and develop equipment to be able to do in the past. Um, some of it somewhat successfully, but most of it not. Most of it is costly. It again requires infrastructure to be able to do. But peer-to-peer -peer monitoring allows you to very simply have one attendant watch a handheld monitor or an area monitor like the radius outside of a confined space in a location among several confined space entries that are taking place uh, somewhere else on the site altogether and still get information in real time or as close to real time as you can possibly get about what's going on in each one of those confined spaces and what the condition is of each of the individual entrants in all those confined space operations that are taking place. So confined space entry is, is a very, very big application for peer-to-peer -peer monitoring and networking workers together. So just in conclusion, kind of wrapping this up, um, hopefully you can see from what I've said and understand that networked workers are, are going to be safer workers. Um, if we can keep workers communicating together through their gas detectors and, and able to help each other, um, they're going to be safer, we're going to have a safer workplace, and we're going to be certain that everybody goes home at the end of the day. And if we connect gas detectors together in a peer-to-peer -peer fashion and then use the other technologies that I was talking about to be able to take the information from all of those gas detectors collectively and communicate it outside of that network to the cloud where people can view it at one time on various and multiple 
um, control panels and multiple devices from multiple locations, then we truly do have the connected workforce. And, and that is what we're, we're really looking at and what we're striving for when we talk about connected workers and, and networking workers together. So with that, uh, I would ask you if, you, if you're really interested in, in learning more about peer-to-peer -peer monitoring and you're going to be traveling to Anaheim to the National Safety Conference, uh, you can come see us in booth 1820. We'll be doing live demonstrations of peer-to-peer -peer monitoring using the Lens Wireless system and near-field communications, or you can contact me directly at dwagner at indsci.com, or my phone number's there as well. And I'd be glad to have a talk with you. And now I'll turn it back over to Tom, and we can address any questions that you have. All right. Thank you very much, David. That was a great job. Really appreciate your insights and your expertise uh, with peer-to-peer -peer monitoring. Um, before we get started with the Q&A, I just want to remind everyone of the evaluation survey that we're asking you to complete. The survey should be appearing on your screen right now. Um, your input is important because it will help us improve future webcasts. Um, if you don't see the evaluation survey on your screen right now, please turn off your pop-up blocker. Um, you may also access the survey by clicking the survey button, which is near the lower right portion of your screen. Um, and with all of that said, now we can get to some questions, and I know some good ones came in during the presentation. You can still send in questions um, if you uh, have any ideas that come up based off of the answers you hear now. So David, I'll just get started here. Um, the first question is, are peer monitoring instruments intrinsically safe for use in certain industrial facilities and areas? Yes. All of, all of the instruments that I talked about, all of the gas detectors that I talked about that use um, the peer-to-peer -peer communications and, and uh, the wireless networking are all intrinsically safe. Um, they are all approved for a Class 1 or Class 2 hazardous location or Zone 0 uh, location depending on which standard you happen to be talking about. Great. Uh, next question that comes in, how far does the lens wireless system allow monitors to communicate? Yeah, so generally speaking, if you were going to look at this in, on a specification, um, from the Venice Pro standpoint, monitor to monitor, it, communication is specified as up to 100 meters. Um, we have seen that communication go further than that. Uh, the specification on our radius monitors is 300 meters. Um, so there are some limitations. But uh, we can extend that distance of communication out um, quite a bit because by hopping um, readings and hopping the communication from one monitor to another. Uh, so if you re recall putting, if we put 25 monitors into a network, uh, we have the ability to hop the communication um, five times within that network uh, to increase our distance tremendously um, by as much as five times. Uh, so we're realistically looking at in excess of 500 meters or 1,500 meters of communication capability depending on the actual instrument and network configuration. Perfect. And, and I think this overlaps with another question, but I want to ask it just to make sure. Um, the, the next question is, what is the estimated range of both the personal monitors and the radius monitors? Was that covered with right. what yeah, you described? Yeah, specified is 100 meters on the personal monitors and 300 meters on the um, area monitors. Great. And then our next question is, are these devices shielded uh, to prevent being ignition sources? Uh, yes, that falls into the, the original question um, about uh, hazardous areas and intrinsic safety. Uh, yes, they are all intrinsically safe, um, all certified and guaranteed not to be a source of ignition. Great. And then uh, next question that comes in, you said that there is a low cost of implementation for peer-to-peer -peer monitoring. Uh, can you explain what the costs are? Yeah, I knew that question would, would come around sooner or later. Um, so as I said, it is a very low cost of implementation. There's no infrastructure or no outside parts and pieces 
to be able to do that, to implement a um, peer-to-peer uh, wireless network on the portable monitors, uh, to enable the wireless features of, of the portable monitors is a $250 cost, and on the area monitors, it's a $650 cost. Got it. Uh, next question that comes in, if I already have Ventus Pro monitors, can they be upgraded to include the lens wireless and peer-to-peer -peer monitoring? Uh, yes, all of those instruments can, can be upgraded um, to be able to communicate wirelessly. It's a simple firmware and feature set update of the instrument. And then on that similar topic, are all RADIUS and Ventus Pro monitors capable of peer-to-peer -peer communication? Yes, they are all they are all capable of peer-to-peer -peer communication. Um, today, as I said um, during the presentation, we introduced the RADIUS monitors um, last week, they were publicly launched for the first time last Monday. Um, every radius monitor uh, shipped from Industrial Scientific is capable of the peer-to-peer -peer monitoring. Every portable Venice monitor uh, out the door that we've shipped, we started shipping those monitors back in March. Uh, they are capable as well. However, it will be about another month or so uh, before we release do the final release of that feature set in in the Venice monitors, um, but they are all upgradable. Great. Um, the next question we get has to do with maintenance. Um, the the questioner says, "What maintenance is required and how often?" Calibration. Okay. Well, um, calibration is you, you're taking a gas detector and you're calibrating and you're bump testing it. Uh, just like any other standard gas detector. Uh, there's no additional maintenance required uh, because of the wireless features or the wireless capabilities. Uh, so from an industrial scientific standpoint, our recommendation is bump test daily before each use, uh, which is an entirely another topic that I could go on for a couple hours about, and calibrate on a monthly basis. It's, it's the recommendation that we use for all of our gas detectors, and it holds here as well. Pretty straightforward. Our next question is, in addition to distance, what is the connectivity through steel, tanks, concrete, et cetera? Yeah, certainly there are limitations in connectivity. I couldn't sit here and, and tell you that um, we we have no limitations and and it's like x-ray vision and we can see through steel and and everything else and no obviously we can't wireless technology doesn't work that way um, there are limitations and there are blockages but the ability to implement a mesh network and to be able to bounce that communication in and out of and around different obstacles um, makes it very very reliable um, you can say, well, we, we've got confined spaces. We, we have workers inside a tank cleaning the tank. Um, how are we going to get wireless communication out of that? Uh, well, it's very easy. Sometimes it does require maybe you're going to have an extra monitor uh, that, that sits near the entrance of the tank uh, so that it has the communication, gets a clear physical path out. Um, but because we have that ability uh, through the mesh network to bounce the communication uh, from monitor to monitor. It, it gives us a tremendous capability to get around obstacles and, and make communication very reliable in, in what would seem to be unconventional wireless environments. Great. And just a reminder to our attendees, go ahead and keep sending those questions if you'd like. We still have some time to go. Um, a few more questions here for you, David. Uh, one, does Industrial Scientific also have similar monitors for lone workers who are not in hazardous atmospheres, um, such as on a roof or working alone in a large production room? Yeah, that's, that is a, a great question. Um, we are working on some lone worker solutions. Uh, I would say that we don't have anything at this time that is outside of the gas detector specifically um, so some of those more uh, 
traditional non-gas detection related uh, loan worker scenarios uh, we can't cover right now. Uh, we may possibly able, be able to do that in the future, but for now and for the immediate future, our, our focus is combining the loan worker and gas detection together. Great. Um, next question has to do with uh, kind of being able to network all these monitors together. The question is, is Industrial Scientific looking at expanding the number of monitors uh, to be able to network together? Um, yes, we we would look to to expand that, and we would hope to be able to expand that. That's somewhat limited uh, by the radio technology itself, and and I'm not sure uh, exactly what path that's going to take in the future. It's a little bit hard to look uh, that deeply into the crystal ball right now. Um, but I would ask who, whoever uh, put that question forward to just follow it up, and I'll, I, I hate to answer a question with a question, um, but this one kind of requires it. How many, how many would you like to see in that network is, is really the question. If we hear back, we'll let you know on that one. And uh, another question, you know, we hear about w with all new technology, there, I guess there's concerns of uh, hacking or, you know, systems being corrupted. Can wireless gas detection systems be hacked uh, by someone wanting to cause trouble? That is a great question and probably one that, that I should have addressed. Um, all the communication within the gas detectors is encrypted. Um, it uses different types of encryption. Um, there's a standard default encryption that all the monitors using, uh, use, uh, but we have the ability for uh, different companies to set up different groups or set up one group however they want to do it with a custom encryption key uh, so that there is no other network or no other group uh, possibly using that same encryption. Uh, so it uh, is all encrypted, it is all very secure, and very limited ability, if at all, for anyone to hack it from outside the network. You know, as, as a writer at Safety and Health magazine, I'm always interested in the, in the kind of the storytelling component of a lot of these items. I'm curious to know whether you know of any success stories. You know, have any stories kind of found their way back to you about how some of these devices, some of this technology has, has prevented injuries or, or saved a life? Uh, do, do you know of any tales like that yet, or are they still to be told? Uh, I think they're all still to be told. The, the mm -hmm. wireless, um, using wireless gas detection in general, you know, it's been creeping into the market um, over the last couple years, but the use hasn't been very widespread. And for us, it is, is at Industrial Scientific, it is much more recent than that even. So uh, I think those stories are still to be told, and I think they will be told. I think there will be many of them. And then we touched on I a like little bit. Thought, I believe yeah. there will be. Well, it's always, it is interesting. Yeah, when you can put kind of faces and names to it, it'll be interesting to see going forward, you know, how many people this helps. Um, and I'm sure it won't be a small number. And then, and then as far as like the number of monitors uh, networking together, I mean, is there an ideal size? I, kn I know it caps out right now at a certain number. Is there a, a floor you recommend? I mean, can it be as few as two or three? Um, would you prefer, you know, is it better if it's 10 or 20? You know, the idea of, of kind of looking out for one another using these devices. Well, it's really whatever's necessary and, and how many um, uh, how many people that you have working uh, that need coverage. It can be as little as two. Obviously, uh, there's no not, no such thing as a network of one, uh, so there has to be at least two. Um, but whether it's two or 22, uh, as I like to say in a number of different scenarios, um, it, it really doesn't make a difference. There's no set best answer to that. Right. Another question came in, um, will there be any effect on the battery life of the instrument with all of these features? Well, nothing is free. Um, and certainly, uh, it's one of, the, one of the things that has limited um, wireless technology and a lot of technologies from getting into gas detection. And when we look, you know, as I said in the beginning, it looks like 
if you look back over the last few years that the gas detection industry has been void of technology and innovation, it's because we're challenged with things like intrinsic safety. And we're challenged with things like having high-powered sensors uh, in our instruments that require a lot of battery power. And how we get batteries to make instruments run um, 12 hours or 14 hours or 16 hours um, to be able to do that, there's a price to pay. And there definitely is a price to pay in terms of battery life and runtime from a wireless standpoint. And looking at it in conjunction, what we've done uh, and the way we're using um, the, the wireless technology and the radios in these instruments, um, it's about a 10% cost in battery runtime. Great. And, we, you know, we keep getting questions coming in, which is great. So anyone who's still interested or still has something they want to ask, feel free. We do have some time here. A um, couple more. One question for you is, is industrial scientific working on other monitors that can be connected, um, heat stress, et cetera? Um, right now, we, we are looking, we have a number of initiatives in place. We are looking at uh, bringing different types of equipment uh, into, our, into our portfolio, if you will, into our um, INET network. Uh, being able to collect data on, on many different types of equipment. And we, we have a number of partners or potential partners that we are talking to. Um, so I would say the answer to that is definitely yes, although I'm not really free to get into any specifics at this point. And then we have another question. Um, is there a temperature variation that would prohibit usage in a fire situation, such as a structural fire, you know, structural firefighting or a hot material handling facility? Yeah, firefighting is, is a great application for the peer-to-peer -peer monitoring, and particularly when we're talking about firefighter accountability. Um, and no, there, there really isn't a temperature limitation from that standpoint beyond uh, the temperature limitations of the detector itself. Um, so as long as uh, the thing's not melting due to the heat of the fire, it should be working very well. And then do you have monitors for lithium batteries? Do we have monitors for lithium batteries? I'm not 100% certain I understand the question um, exactly. All of our monitors do use lithium batteries, um, uh, both the Radius, the Venice Pro. Well, I'll take that back. The, the Radius actually doesn't use lithium batteries. Uh, the Venice Pros definitely do use lithium batteries. Uh, the Radius monitors are using a older uh, nickel metal hydride battery technology. I know you touched on this a little during your presentation. I think I, I always think it's interesting, kind of this idea of privacy concerns. You know that you mentioned some workers might have, and how a, an employer can balance those and emphasize safety. Um, I liked your example of of saying, you know, big brother might be watching, but little brother has your back. Have you found that? I guess what results have you found from from just communicating clearly and directly, and kind of addressing privacy concerns rather than um, skirting them under the rug? Yeah, privacy concerns when when you're getting um, information like this and are are a big concern and and having too much data or having data in in general is, is a big concern at some places and uh, with various companies um, in different industries and my answer to that is one from a privacy standpoint. Um, we, we certainly don't share any information, and we are not collecting any information that is really uh, gives someone the ability to personally identify an individual um, anyway. Uh, we're, we don't deal with anything like Social Security numbers or anything like that or financial information. And when, when I talk about this, um, that information is out there in many other ways. So um, this is really on the low end of the spectrum from privacy concerns. And then when it comes to uh, data in general, the standpoint that, that I like to hold and the perspective that I live, like to give 
most people that are concerned with with having data and having information is that the data from your gas detectors in all the years that I've been doing this um, has always worked to help someone more than it has ever worked to hurt anyone. And the opportunity for you for for you to use that data to your benefit and the opportunity for you to have that data save you is far greater than than the chances of that data ever being used against you. Well, thank you, David. I think that's a, a great way to, to wrap this up. It looks like we've addressed um, quite a number of questions that have come in and really appreciate, as I said before, your time and your insights. And it's exciting to see kind of where this all leads here with the with the speed of uh, you know, technology. So just wanted to thank everyone once again for tuning in. Um, I hope you do take the time to fill out the evaluation survey on your screen and give us your feedback because we do read that and that will help us improve all of our webcasts going forward. Um, and with that, it will end today's Safety and Health Magazine webcast. I would like to thank David, everyone at Industrial Scientific Corporation, and all of you who listened in. Thank you and have a great day.